scale invasion of that, sir. I'll phone the forces, fighters, frigates, foot sloggers. Mm, I think this is a job for real men. I just hope we're in time to save the world. I've been watching the skies. We've done the entire town. Who's done the town? The extraterrestrial low-lifers. Guess what? You've caught one of our bastards. Bad Taste is a New Zealand splatter movie um, involving a race of aliens which land in a small town in New Zealand um, to basically turn the human race into fast food. And uh, an elite group of, of commandos are sent out to stop them, and uh, hilarity ensues. Hello and welcome back to Scream Addicts. I'm Jinx, your host, and that was Jason Lee Howden talking about Peter Jackson's 1987 horror sci-fi comedy feature film debut, Bad Taste. Mr. Howden is a filmmaker known for 2015's fantastic horror comedy, Deathgasm, and the upcoming action comedy, Guns Akimbo. Mr. Howden, thanks so much for being on the show. Excellent. Thanks so much for having me. Now, uh, as with every episode, I'll ask, out of any horror movie you might have chosen, any at all, why go with Bad Taste? Bad Taste, I think, well, it's my favorite New Zealand movie of all time, but it, and one of my favorite horror movies of all time. But more than that, I think it's one of the horror movies which made me want to become a filmmaker. Like, there's a slit few movies which I remember seeing when I was young that just, just something snapped within me, like, this is what I want to do. And uh, Bad Taste is, is, is one of them. I remember I first, I think I first saw Bad Taste when I was like about 11 or 12, and I was in this uh, department store called Decker and I was looking at Nintendo games or something like that. And I went past, you know how they have the wall of TVs. Um, I went past there and some employee had just stuck on bad taste. I don't know whether he just wanted to get fired or something. It's like (laughs) three o'clock, you know, it's after school hours. And I just sat there and just just watched it. And it was just insane. I'd never seen something so crazy. It was just, it was like chainsaws and, and, I had to sit there and watch it for like half an hour. And the coolest thing I think it was the New Zealand accents, just because I just never had any idea that someone from New Zealand could make something so insane. Um, and yeah, it, it was obviously a, a huge inspiration to Deathgasm and, and my career so far. I, I just want to say for a second, whoever that clerk is out there that set those TVs to bad taste at that time, if they, they're a hero, uh, that was incredible. <laughs> Definitely got fired. Definitely fired. <laughs> <laughs> I hope life treated them well after that because that was that was, that was an incredible thing they did. Now, <laughs> I can I admit something. Uh, I, I I feel like uh, you might hang up on me uh, after what I'm about to say. Uh, so apologies in advance. But um, you know, I when I was a teenager, I uh, of course being a genre fan, I, I grew up with Fangoria, and there was this uh, two part interview. It was spread across two different issues with Peter Jackson talking about the Frighteners, but he'd also covered his older films, and you know, Bad Taste was one of them. And <laughs> I was seeking out so many different horror movies at that time, but this guy sounded amazing. So on VHS, I tried to track down as much of his stuff as possible. And I don't know, at, at some point, I think I must have convinced myself that I had seen Bad Taste. And uh, it wasn't until you chose the movie for this discussion, and I tracked down a copy and popped it in, within five minutes, I realized I had never seen it. Uh, I, I, of course, have seen <laughs> Dead Alive, I've seen Meet the Feebles, I've seen The Frighteners, I've seen Heavenly Creatures, I've seen everything after. But I had never gotten around to watching Bad Taste for whatever reason, so, you know... <laughs> Earlier today, actually, I'm checking out the movie and I realized, oh my god, I have never seen this man's debut. This is the first time I am I am wow. I'm witnessing this picture, and I 
just loved it. Oh my God, this is a great, great, great film. And I, it's so awesome. I mean, it's such a different perspective as well because I mean, um, I, I just rewatched it as well, and I, I mean, I've seen it like dozens of times. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it must be it's one of those things that I just want to erase my brain and watch it for the first time again. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of me, you know, it's funny. I was halfway through and I was like. Man, I wonder what teenage me would have made of this movie. I think I would have loved it so very much. But at the same time, watching it again, I felt like a teenager, you know, uh, <laughs> discovering a movie like that for the first time. And, you know, there's something so charmingly, I mean, obviously lo-fi about it, but just the energy and, you know, the the, the off-the-wall comedy. It was like watching uh, Dead Alive again, which, I mean, that's a, that's a dragon I will always chase, is seeing that movie for the first time and just being so utterly blown away by it. You know, I remember when I watched it as a teenager, I would go to school and I would, you know, I would hold court with a small group of fellow students reciting, like, you know, lines from that film and trying to tell them how great Dead Alive was. And, uh, you know, watching Bad Taste again, I was like, oh my God, this this, this feels like watching you know, that, that movie again for the first time. And, uh, but it occurred to me, I wanted to ask you not that long ago, I think it was maybe two or three years ago. Um, (laughs) I used to write for horror hound magazine and, um, uh, there was this one issue that focused on horror films from around the world. And I chose New Zealand because I had just seen Deathgasm. And so I, I really wanted to focus on that. And there were a couple of other, uh, you know, I had just written about Scott Reynolds' The Ugly uh, not that long before. And so I was like, you know what? I want to focus on New Zealand and talk about the horror films from there. And it occurred to me in doing research for it, there are so many great horror comedies from New Zealand. You know, we have uh, Bad Taste, of course. We have Dead Alive, uh, Meet the Feebles, kind of. You know, horror, maybe? I don't know. Uh, but Black Sheep, Housebound, What We Do in the Shadows, Fresh Meat, even your own debut. You know, uh, Deathgasm yeah. is a great horror comedy. So maybe I'm entirely off base here, but I have to ask, why is it when it comes to genre fare, the horror films tend more often than not, maybe, to be comedic? And how is it that they're all so damn fantastic, every one? <laughs> It's it's a weird thing, and it's it's not something that I really, I wasn't. I mean, I I knew about all these films. I didn't, wasn't really aware of it until I went to um, South by Southwest to premiere uh, Deathgasm, and then everyone was coming up to me like, "Oh my god, New Zealand, you know, horror comedies," and and that's for for genre people, that's what they know New Zealand for, um, you know, film wise. It's uh, which is apart from you know Lord of the Rings, which is but but it's amazing because when we when we first pitched. Um, Deathgasm to the the New Zealand Film Commission. Um, they were like, you know, we sent the script to them and stuff, and they're like, I oh, don't really get it. Me and the producers were like, what the fuck, you know? Like, this this country, you know, this country's cinema was built on horror comedy. Like, when you when you look at what Peter Jackson did with Bad Taste and uh, Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles, working his way up to, you know, Lord of the Rings and creating this massive industry here. Um. Like our film culture in New Zealand just owes almost everything to the, the genre of horror comedy, and then the the film commission is saying that they don't understand that genre. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was weird. What what was their reaction to that? What what would how how did they answer something like that when you lay it out to them? And be like, just look. Like <laughs> I don't know. It was it was a note that I got back via one of the producers, so I, I didn't. I thankfully wasn't in a room when that was said. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a very bizarre thing. It's like there's a little bit of embarrassment, I think, in some film circles here about the horror comedy thing. Like they, you know, and, and even to this day, like Deathgasm isn't that well known in film circles in New Zealand. Like uh, um, some people have seen it, but some people just, you know, they, they saw, saw the title of the cover and just thought this is not my cup of tea. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I don't know where the horror comedy thing. I mean, I think it just maybe stems from, you know, Peter laying the groundwork and and everyone sort of, uh, you know, writing on, um, writing on that. Um, and I, I guess maybe also the the idea of sort of making fun of death and making it into a bit of a joke um, lessens the blow a bit. Um, yeah. See, you know, it, it, again, I mean, it was amazing watching this for the first time and seeing, you know, I, 
obviously it's a low budget film, but I mean, you know, at at times it does feel like watching a really, really well-made home movie at times, you know, some of the sequences at times it feels like you're maybe watching a, uh, a full moon flick, you know, just some of the sequences, but then, you know, then there are times where, you know, especially in the last half of the movie, more often than not, where the, there are these flashes of brilliance where you think, yeah, this is the guy who will eventually give us Dead Alive or Meet the Feebles. Or in some cases, yeah, I mean, the guy who will give us Lord of the Rings. I mean, there are moments, you know, that feel like kind of sweeping and epic, even though the story is relatively contained. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It seemed to me watching the film that maybe I'm wrong about this. I have no idea if the movie was shot in order or not, but it feels like you're watching a filmmaker sort of slowly get his footing and become more confident and become, you know, becoming more creative as he goes. So that by the time you reach the end of the movie, it feels like he's fully formed as a stylist and a storyteller. And maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but I mean, it it, it was an interesting progression. I mean, he shot it over, I think it was over three years. Oh, wow. And um, it started off as a short film that he was shooting. um, And just, just, then it sort of snowballed into a feature and um but i think some some stuff was just shot you know he, he basically shot at weekends um because he had a full-time job and all, all the all the actors who were just like not actors they were his mates they just um had jobs as well so they all shot weekends and that, that's why it took so long and um but yeah, I mean, you're right. There is, there is, you know, it's it's like shonky as hell. But it, also, there's some amazing filmmaking. Like the, when you look at the camera moves, it's like this yeah. this guy knows how to move a camera, even though it's shaky. You can you can tell the angles that he's going for are really unique, and and the, you know, there's there's an amazing style already forming there. Um, one of the most impressive scenes I think is on the cliffside when he's he's because he plays Derek Peter Jackson. Which blew my mind. Um, yeah, uh, like so transformative. You can't tell it's him, right? He's shaved. It's like Peter <laughs> Jackson shaved. But then he plays like Robert, the um, the bearded uh, alien in human form, with the guy hanging off the cliff. And yep. so at one point they're fighting each other, and they they were shot months apart. And it was just like the logistics of that, as you you know, it just just blows my mind, and it's just it's seamless. <laughs> it's, uh, so that whole cliffside scene just gives me anxiety. It's just shot so well. Yeah, especially um, you, you're expecting somebody to t- eventually take a tumble down that cliff, and uh, <laughs> I, I I wasn't expecting the person it was for that to have actually happened. And then I was very sad because that was my favorite character. And then uh, I don't know why I'm trying to dance around spoilers for a 30 year old movie, but uh, yeah, it's Derek. But um, but the reveal. That you know he's still alive, and then what comes in the wake of that with the uh, the constant gag with his uh, his brains <laughs> sort of constantly leaking out, which is so gross and hilarious at the same time. I just I love that, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was just it was it was strange watching it for the first time and seeing you know that the longer that the movie ran, the more inventive the action and the photography and some of those locations you know are just gorgeous. But it all like it, it seems to get better and better and better and. Uh, God, I, I love it for that. And then some of it, you know, we're talking about the horror comedy. It seems very kind of like the mix of horror and comedy seems a little evil dead at times. And yeah. I, I wonder if Raimi wasn't maybe a bit of an influence on a young Peter Jackson. Uh, or or maybe I'm completely wrong about that. But I mean, or at least I wonder if both men don't share similar sensibilities and uh, have similar inspirations. Yeah, no, totally. I, I could I could definitely see there, there was some a lot of Raimi in there. I think some um, commando as well. I definitely sensed a little, you know, especially the, the last shootout where it's just like carnage and just people dying all over the place. And <laughs> um, also the guy like trapped in the tool shed and he um, runs out with the uh, pitchfork, <laughs> except they, they play it up and he gets, he gets like caught in a coat hanger or something. That's such a great uh, reaction shot to the alien who's about to get skewered. And he just kind of like <laughs> turns and looks and he doesn't even know how to regard the person who was going to murder him because he's kind of so <laughs> sadly caught in place. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, um, yeah there was definitely – you sensed a, a lot of those influences. And, and um, yeah, obviously um, – Peter was just a, a massive film nut and, and just took all these all these references and all, all these films he loved and, and turned them into this 
this, yeah, like you say, it's a home movie that turned into a feature and um, launched his career. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, I, I, I was thinking about both Jackson and Raimi, too, just in watching the movie. And it didn't occur to me, but I mean, their career trajectories are very kind of similar in a way. I mean, they both started out with uh, sort of really inventive, splattery horror films, and then they did some... Uh, you know, uh, serious work, you know, with the capital S Jackson with heavenly creatures, which is amazing. I love that film. Uh, you know, Raimi arguably with the gift and, uh, may- maybe for love of the game, though the less said about that, the better. I don't know. But, um, but then, you know, they both go on to do, uh, you know, these crowd pleasing blockbusters. Now, Raimi eventually went back to horror for a victory lap with drag me to hell. Do you think or hope that Jackson will do the same one day? They, they keep, they keep mentioning like doing bad taste too, just uh, oh, but just God. doing it really on the cheap. But I don't know. I mean, it just seems so far removed from his sensibilities now. He's like doing, you know, he just did that World War One documentary, and I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know where where he's, you know, if he watches much horror these days, or if he's just, uh, it's it's hard to say. Um, I, I, obviously, I'd be totally down to um, just seeing one more Peter Jackson. Imagine what a billionaire could ma- make with it, like a, a Spider movie. I mean, oh my God. wow, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, one of my things was I really, one of my goals, I wanted to make a, a Spider movie that was um, more over the top than than Brain Dead or Dead, Dead Alive in the States. And uh, we didn't quite get there with Deathgasm, but I thought maybe if I could try and take that crown from him it would uh make him get back in the back in the spider seat <laughs> <laughs> you need to spur him on sir I'm like sure I mean, do you think you know it's funny looking at his filmography and seeing where he is now do you think i mean you're right he just did that world war one documentary and you know his you know he he did lord of the rings he did the hobbit he do you think the filmmaker who gave us those early movies, who did Meet the Feebles and uh, Dead Alive and, you know, uh, uh, Bad Taste, do you think he's still in there somewhere? Or or do you think maybe he, he's been retired or he evolved into something else never to return? I think I think maybe maybe he's just he, he has retired from from that a little bit. I mean, he's still an amazingly creative guy. You see, I mean, even with his latest film, that Wood War One documentary, um, the technology involved was just mind blowing. He just he bought all those old scratchy World War One black and white films and and made them come to life and, and feel like they'd just been shot yesterday. Um, so he's but yeah, I mean, maybe his um, you know still a really you know a brilliant um, and inventive guy, but maybe he's just using his brain in different ways these days. And um, yeah, um, I, I'm not sure is he. Is he above splatter? I don't know. Could he? Could he just jump in and, yeah, um, will we will we get that spark again? And I wonder if somebody in his position might, you know, be able to. Oh God, I hate using this word, and I'm not using it in the way it often is. But uh, at least when it comes to the genre. But uh, maybe just so far as uh, visibility, I wonder if he wouldn't be able to use his clout to elevate uh, a splatter movie. You know, so that. You know the the type of audiences who wouldn't necessarily flock to see you know a splatter movie would simply by virtue of the fact that he did it. You know, um, I don't know. I, I I mean, you know, I I've only now seen the movie, but let's talk wish list here. I really want a, a, a bad taste sequel now. I want to know what the hell happened to Derek. Uh, I know. I don't know. Lands what on the alien planet. And what what happens then? Is it like? <laughs> I, I sort of imagine this. Um, I'm not sure if you ever played um, um, Abe's Odyssey, those video games where it's like uh, an alien planet which is turned into a fast food. Um, you know, they're just processing different species and making them into like fast food. And I'm like, is there is there something like that where he lands on this like <laughs> this factory planet where they're just harvesting people? And um, yeah, I mean it's. There's, there's, there's so many weird. This is such a weird mythology that he built up. Like they, they vomit into a bowl and all drink it. Is that, is that their major form of sustenance? Oh my god. Um, they, they freak out and then they change from human. So they're obviously like they can transform into other forms. There's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, you can't end the movie with Derek 
flying away in a fucking spaceship house, his brains <laughs> held in place with a belt, wearing an alien skin, and not tell me what happens next in that man's life. I, I need to know what happens with him. I need to know what happens next with the boys, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Worse taste? Amazing. Badder taste? More bad taste? I, I, I don't know, but... Uh. Well, I think someone mentioned, like, uh, the sequel to me after Deathgasm, and, and uh, like, <gasps> I don't know if they if they were serious or not and yeah i shouldn't say too much because of that but i was like yeah man okay I, I i honestly don't know yeah you'd have to really have a think about because you'd want to keep that same tone you want you want you want to do it um you know you wouldn't want it polished in any way <laughs> um you almost want to just limit yourself to like the same sort of budget and just see like what what the hell can we do um and it's a beer. Well, I mean, Deathgasm was actually a, a summer budget to bad taste. Um, even, yeah, so. So you but, just um, said you yeah, shouldn't say anything about it, and I, I appreciate that. But I, <laughs> I, I, I would be a bad fan of both now bad taste and uh, Deathgasm if I didn't ask. Would you be down for doing a bad taste sequel? Like if? Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and <laughs> it's uh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm actually sort of working on this uh, alien movie at the moment which is is um yeah quite exciting but it's like um yeah it's it's always been this thing of mine i was just obsessed with ufos when i was a kid and and doing doing something in the splatter realm of aliens i mean that's amazing right that would be pretty um, i hope this happens well i want this to happen yeah it's got to happen. <laughs> I actually, uh, the funny thing is, I wrote like a after after I saw this, it left such an impression on me that when I was like, I think I was like twelve or thirteen, I ended up writing a fanfic story. It was like about ten pages or something. I don't know, but it was like a fanfic story about like the boys, you know, Ozzy, Frank, Barry, and Derek um, versus Predator. And that was my <laughs> other favorite. I love Predator, so, and I was like, in in my mind, I was like. Well, imagine if like Predator was fighting the boys. <laughs> it's like just ridiculous. I don't know where else you take the Predator franchise at this point, but I would watch a Predator <laughs> versus the boys movie, especially if it's the yeah. same guys from the eighties. I don't want any recasting. Please let it just be the same yeah. gentleman, whoever they are out there, and bring back Derek. Damn it! Um, bring back Derek. Got to bring Derek. Yeah, that would be my whole thing if I was making a, a sequel to um to Bad Taste. Like Peter would have to play Derek. <laughs> you'd have to shave his beard and just get in there and uh yeah oh my god you know going back to jackson for a second too i i wonder you know talking about his return like you know i mentioned wishlist i now want a bad taste sequel but also part of me you know going back to the fangoria interview i mentioned a, a couple of minutes ago about the frighteners i remember reading in there something about how he had written this uh nightmare on elm street uh sequel yes. way back in the day and like, you know, everyone is wondering what's going to happen with that franchise. Is it going to get remade again? Will there be a sequel to the remake? Hopefully not. Uh, will they bring back England at some point? You know, who knows? But damn it, just just get Peter Jackson to direct his screenplay. You know, maybe you couldn't get him. Maybe you could. But my God, could you imagine him coming back to the genre to direct that script? If you brought back England to, to, play, uh, yeah. to play Freddy, good God, what an event film that would be. That would be fantastic, and I mean the, the, the scripts from the synopses uh, uh, sound, sounded amazing. Like it's wasn't it that Freddy's like really weak and old, and then like all the all the teens take sleeping pills and go into the dream world and like beat Freddy up. Yeah, he's like a, a video game essentially. Yeah, and it just it sounded like oh, that's you know the best uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies are ones which take the core concept and then have a have a bit of a spin on it, um, and I think that that would be fantastic and um obviously uh robert is um would still be incredible as freddie I, st I still i still think he's got more freddie movies in him i'm like too. he's uh you know um yeah so I'm, I'm amazed that they're leaving that franchise dormant it makes no sense to me friday the 13th is shackled because of uh oh, what legal concerns i get that but a nightmare on elm street it's just right there. Like, you know, yeah. I do something with it, damn it. It's been a decade since that remake. Yes, it was terrible. Everyone, every, you know, it. I'm sure they're still wounded from it too, much like fans are from having seen it. But, you know, I... <laughs> 
look at what they did with Halloween, bringing it back in such a big way. You're telling me that, like, Robert England in that role again wouldn't kill? I'm certain it would. So why they're just sitting on it is amazing to me. He's a horror icon. And uh, even if they didn't use Jackson's script, you know, even if they just did something with the character, uh, I I think you're entirely right. I think uh, England, for all of his talk about, you know, not necessarily wanting to do it again. I mean, my God, come on. He slapped on the makeup and put on the... uh, you know, the sweater again for, uh, you know, conventions to take photo ops. And, uh, you know, he did it for that. Uh, oh, God, what is it? The uh, the sitcom last fall. Oh, um, yeah. 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 And he looked great. He was fantastic, you know. Um, so I, I don't know why that's not happening. It, it blows my mind. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, my- I, I, I don't know either. It's it, it would be um, it would definitely be very exciting. And yeah, get him. Someone get him. <laughs> And final thing, uh, to to round up my uh, Peter Jackson wish list, I just wish he would finally do that long-promised episode of Doctor Who. Finally. Damn it. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> he never did that. I really thought that it was going to happen with uh, with Peter Capaldi, but I think that, uh, I mean, obviously that ship has sailed. But, uh, you know, just do something with the character. I mean, if he's such a fan, which uh, I think I've read that he's he grew up during, what, the, uh, the Seventh Doctor's era. But, you know, I... Ah, it would be neat to see him do something like that. Just anything like gleefully genre again. I'm dying to see something from him. Yeah, we've got to, got to somehow prod uh, PJ into getting back on the horror bandwagon. Because um, Raimi's, I mean, you, you saw like, uh, the, you know, Raimi's episode of, uh, the, he did the first episode of Ash vs. the Evil Dead, right? And, yes. and it was fantastic. It's still just, uh, it's like he just never left, the, the, you know, uh, the, the genre at all. Yeah, it was always there. It was sitting there. Although, you know, now he has the, uh, you know, he has so much more experience since his early days. And now he has the uh, the clout and the budget to, you know, realize these insane gags. And one imagines that Jackson would be able to do the same. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he has no desire to do it anymore. And maybe he's just not in touch with that side of himself anymore. I mean, hell, even over the course of... Uh, oh, God, what? A little over a decade? I... Now... Oh, gosh. I always hate bashing anyone, and I'll preface this by saying I think The Lord of the Rings is quite possibly the best trilogy of films um, ever. Yeah, it's still so good. Yeah, I, I adore it. But you know what? You look at that material, and you look at how well he executed it. To you know, to a ridiculous, supernatural degree, those movies are so well made. I can't even imagine how one goes about filming all of that, you know? And then... Uh, a little over a decade later, you know, he gives us the Hobbit trilogy, which is oh, which is not the, the greatest <laughs> film trilogy of all time. Yeah, I, I worked on all three of the Hobbits, so I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm sorry. A different sort of PTSD when when the Hobbit comes up, like uh, doing eighty hour weeks <laughs> looking at Gandalf on a blue screen. So, uh, <laughs> apologies like, for even sense. remotely bashing. No, 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 I'm sorry. no, no, it's, I, uh... Uh, it's like better now. I'm better. Uh, um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, you're totally right. And it's, um, uh, it's interesting because Sam Raimi was originally, he was really pitching hard to direct the Hobbit. What? Yeah, no, he, he, he was. And then I think, uh, Peter went with, um, uh, Guillermo, I remember um, that. which was a fantastic choice. And, it's interesting because I was working at Weta at the time um, on this like a kids show of all things. It's called the What Watts, and the our review room where we like reviewed our shots was also the room where um, Del Toro had like all of his concept art for the Hobbit, like little statues and these illustrations and all this stuff. So we'd oh we'd God. go into the review room and it'd just be like I wouldn't even look at the screen. I'd be looking around at all these like it was mad that his i think his vision for the hobbit was way more like sort of return to oz dark crystal style oh my God. madness like that that sort of fantasy it was it was very different from from the lord of the rings style fantasy it was more like there was um yeah um orcs with like um multiple jointed arms these like long arms that had like three or four joints on them and just yeah, just insane stuff, and so yeah, that's it's uh, definitely a pity that never happened. Uh, I uh, 
I always like to imagine there's this alternate universe where every great movie that wasn't made here actually was realized uh, on another plane, you know, and uh, certainly his Hobbit, you know, Jack, or uh, rather Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit has to be up there. Uh, I'd like to think it occupies the same universe where uh, he also got to make Out in the Mountains of Madness. But, um, yeah, I... It's this still, come on. <laughs> I need to see that movie. I don't know, man. I've been hurt too many times. Uh, I don't know that I can believe that we're ever going to get that. I can't allow myself to hope and then have those dreams stashed again. Um, he, he sort of like ditched it because Prometheus um, was coming out, right? And he was like, oh, it's too much like Prometheus. And then, <laughs> and then everyone saw Prometheus. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is, we say, I'm for this. Uh, viewers, viewers lost that round uh, if we wound up with Prometheus instead of Del Toro's at the Mountains of Madness. I don't even hate Prometheus. Uh, I, you know, certainly... No, uh, I would as well. I think, I think it was very experimental and very very interesting. Um, I, th- I think I actually kind of enjoyed it. I've got, I've got friends that just hated it, workmates that just, like, despise it and spit on the ground when they, they say, oh, you know, man. you say the word Prometheus, but... Uh, I wouldn't spit on the ground uh, for Prometheus. Alien Covenant, on the other hand, but uh... oh my god, yes, <laughs> it was just that's the flute scene. The flute scene is the only. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, uh, what was that quote by Michael Fassbender? Like, uh, you do the blowing, I'll do the fingering. Yeah, <laughs> everyone in my cinema is just like, what is that? It's like British sitcom innuendo. <laughs> And maybe, you know, maybe I'm just being bitter because you know what? For all of uh, Prometheus's problems, I, I did like quite a bit of it. And I love the lead character, Elizabeth Shaw. I thought it was great. And for him to build up her arc in that film to only so crassly do away with her in Covenant, it just kind of left a bad... I'm not being punny here when I said left a bad taste. Um, uh, <laughs> but it just, you know, I, I, I just remember walking out of Alien and being angry, and that was a first. For all of the movies, I mean, Alien 3, uh, Resurrection, even the AVPs, I never walked out angry with the film. And with that one, I was like, you know what? I might I might be done with this franchise. We'll, we'll see what happens in the future, but for yeah. now, this is, this is the last time I'm going to walk into one being excited about the possibilities, you know? Definitely the last Ridley Scott... Um... Uh, alien. I mean, I think I think there are definitely filmmakers that ha- could have a really amazing take on it, and um, I think Neil Blomkamp had some had some kind of crazy ideas that uh, he was bringing to it, right? Bringing Hicks back and all this stuff. Yeah, I, um, talk about like getting hurt so many times before too. How many times do we have to listen to this guy pitch something really cool, and then it never comes to be? He's off of RoboCop now, which pisses me off. So, yeah, I feel that it's insane. It's just, uh, it's yeah, such a such a cruel tease. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can only imagine that it's some sort of karmic retribution for him never giving us the uh, the District Nine sequel that the end of that movie kind of promised. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a mean thing to say. I love Chappie, so uh... Chappie's great. Yeah, I, I love um, uh, Diane Wood. Uh, the the amazing in it, and uh, yeah, I think. I, I'm not sure if you're a fan of their stuff, but like a lot of people that hate Chappie aren't a fan of Diane Wood. Really? Yeah. Um, I well, from what I've heard, people that I've talked to, but yeah, I thought they were amazing. And um, yeah, uh, it was yeah, like some it was a sort fun of movie. short circuit sequel, but with lots of grit and attitude. I loved it. But yeah, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I see. I tend to digress during these conversations. I think we've talked about bad taste for all of five minutes. Uh, I will say, watching it straight away, one of the things that I loved in Bad Taste was just the fact that, you know, when we're introduced to the, uh, oh God, what is the department called again? Um, Uh, um, uh, Aerospace uh, Investigative. uh, Yeah, the acronym is AIDS, though. Yeah. (laughs) It was a joke. (laughs) It's got so many jokes. Like that. <laughs> as soon as you hear that, it's just like, oh my god, really? That's what they're okay. That's cool, but you know, I I love the shadowy guy who's behind the scenes giving all of the orders and the strange sort of, uh, you know, hand stuff that's going on. The what was going on there? Like, I, it, it it didn't make sense to me back then, and just rewatching it, it makes even less sense. He's got like, he's got like, is it is it like a false like. Uh, finger, which he like he has a single like a finger button. attached to one hand, like a stump, you know, that he punches buttons with, and then the other one is like 
what a teeny, yeah something like that and then he you know at one point he grabs a lit hand of glory to to light a cigarette it's like what the fuck is going on here like you know you feel like you're in the hands of a madman straight away which i love all through the film there's all sorts of like little, little bizarre things like derek driving the car with the beatles in the front <laughs> like what is that it's backstory behind that like it just it, there's just so many crazy little things like that and and i think that's what makes it so endearing is that you, you just you never feel like entirely settled like they never went for a straight splatter or a straight action movie uh, there, there's all sorts of really quirky moments yeah and you know plus they tell us straight away i mean for a government department they're not working with much in New Zealand in the 80s, that would have felt like quite a, quite a realistic to what the government department oh, would have God. come out with. <laughs> so. But like the communication amongst the uh, the team members, like the, the radio and the duct tape on, uh, you know, I mean, is that meant to be a reflection of the department's lack of funds or is that is that just Derek? I think I think so. I think that it was a bit of an in-joke on the, the Kiwi ingenuity thing and, and also, um, yeah. Is, there's a lots of like New Zealand in jokes, which um, which I'm not sure how much they make sense to, to people from other countries, but um, yeah, and that, and that's one of the things I love about it. It's a very it's a very New Zealand film. Like it's uh, it doesn't doesn't try to be, you know, I guess a, a lesser filmmaker would have had everyone speaking American accents and um, and you know running around pretending like they were in the states. But he was like, no, this is a uh, it's in his hometown, which is um, of uh, Pukaroa Bay, which is like 20 minutes drive from where I'm talking from now. Oh, wow. Um, yes, I, 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 I keep forgetting that it's so close. And I'm like, I've got to, just got to go out there and get some, because I, I love going to film locations and photos and just trying to discover where they got each angle. I was going to say, anytime you want, you can do the bad taste, <laughs> bad taste tour. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to do it, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's taken me so long to realize this. There's uh, there's that great... Uh, I mentioned Horror Hound earlier, but uh, I think Sean Clark... Uh, I don't know if he still does it, but he did the... Uh, oh, those articles, uh, Horror's Hallowed Grounds, where he would visit the locations that certain horror movies were shot in, and he would take photos of the, uh, you know, the locations as they are now, and then compare them to screenshots from the films, and, you know, to show how similar they are still after all these years, or how different, you know? So, uh, so yep. yeah, you should totally do that I version with that taste. Thing. Just post it on Twitter and see what people think. <laughs> Definitely. I, I did that recently in Munich with um, Suspiria. Oh, wow. There was uh, heaps of... Uh... Heaps of stuff from Suspiria was shot in Munich, and uh, um, I just sort of realized, hey, I'm in Munich. Like, I've got some time. Why don't I go and discover, um, you know, there's that beer hole um, and uh, where, that, that um, the square where the blind guy gets killed and all this stuff. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I always feel, like, very grounded, like, you know, you're a part of, a, you know, a part of history just standing in that spot. It's funny, you know, mentioning the opening of the movie, too, like how quickly he sets up the uh, that very strange tone, you know. Of course, we have the, uh, you know, the guy with the, uh, the hand of glory and the finger, and, you know, we have Derek with his, uh, you know, that sort of communication contraption on his shoulder. But, you know, just how straight away he mixes that humor with, the splatter and the sort of like giddy sight gags. You know, I'm thinking of the battery ram they use with one of their fellow aliens or the, uh, you know, the sort of passing out of weapons from alien to alien, you know, just holding them up and then just go, 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 you know, that sort of thing. And then, you know, you have those genuinely humorous bits like, uh, you know, we mentioned the, uh, oh God, I've forgotten his name. Uh, but one of our leads, one of the boys getting caught on the, uh, you know, getting caught while trying to skewer the alien and just sort of like bouncing back into the barn, you know, and the door slowly shuts as the alien staring like, what the hell? You know, but uh, one yeah. of the greatest moments, and I can't believe, you know, how how confident do you have to be as a filmmaker to film that moment where Derek runs out of bullets and then begins making the sounds of gunfire with his mouth <laughs> while <laughs> the alien grabs himself like, my God, have I been shot, you know? <laughs> And he does that cheeky little laugh afterwards. He does like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, um, I, I, lo I love how he's like, uh, when uh, Barry calls him and tells him that the aliens are coming up the hill and he's like, uh, he's like, you're going to run, Derek. And he's like, no, I'm a Derek. 
Derek's don't run. <laughs> and then Barry's like, we have a tree or something. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, Derek's don't run. Where's he get this from? I love that, though. I, oh, I, I feel like that should be on a t-shirt somewhere, you know? Uh... <laughs> don't run. Yeah. And I love that Der- Derek is my favorite character. Yeah, but Jackson is definitely the strongest actor, I think, of um, of, of any of them. Um, uh, even his uh, his his zombie, you know, the the robot, the alien in human form, like the way he moves and everything is just, uh, yeah, he's got his uh, zombie walk down. It was so nice to watch a film that had such fun crazy practical effects in it you know i really miss seeing movies like this uh they're they're rare these days at that level you know i i miss seeing splattery movies that actually use practical effects and you know it was uh you know just i mentioned it before but i am a fan but like, like deathgasm certainly seemed to be a welcome return to that kind of form and you know you see a lot of low-budget horror now where whenever there's meant to be an inventive effect generally it's realized with kind of unconvincing cg rather than a bit of uh creativity and latex and time and uh i just it was i was grinning ear to ear during a lot of those sequences in bad taste yeah as i mentioned i I came off the back of uh working on the hobbit movies from from that and i was just burnt out on vfx and and i just wanted to make something small and just with lots of practical effects like the movies that that i grew up watching and um so being burnt out on vfx was kind of my inspiration for that um and that said there is vfx and deathgasm but we tried to try to keep it as like chunky and uh and and real well i'm not gonna say realistic cause it's like cartoon gore like it's not <laughs> it's uh not meant to be because i mean that, that's the thing about shooting shooting gore for like comedy versus shooting gore for something like um hostile yeah you know you don't want to shoot the gore for a comedy the same way because it would be like you know the the gore is meant to be, you know, kind of shitty looking, kind of kind of like not realistic looking, and and it's fine that people realize that. Um, yeah, and I guess I should say uh, that like with as a fan anyway, watching movies, whenever CG seems like a stylistic choice, then I'm always cool with it. But when it seems like it's more of a crutch, that's when it's sort of like kind of a bummer, you know? Yeah, and so much of it just becomes like. Yeah, you know, both on Deathgasm and Guns Akimbo, I set out to do as much as possible practically, and then it just um, a line in the sand gets drawn by the people with money, and you know, you know, you have to figure out how to um, how, how to actually make it work, um, and it's where visual fix comes in. Yeah, and I will say, like again, you know, I I adored Deathgasm because it seemed like it actually, you know, the way it employed, you know, all manner of effects, it seemed to do it in that sort of like just gleeful way that you know did remind me of uh well obviously not bad taste but uh you know because i hadn't seen it at that point but certainly like dead alive you know and early uh jackson it certainly seemed to be of a piece with all of the uh you know all of the other new zealand horror comedies that i'd mentioned in that article ages ago so i don't know as a fan i really appreciate seeing that yeah what's well, amazing if, if um for any gore train spotters like uh out there um because yeah on on um on Deathgasm, we basically uh, the we went to the makeup company, the special effects company that had worked on you know the 2013 Evil Dead, and they just had a bunch of props from that movie in um in, in like um like you know dummies and and gore from from Evil Dead, uh, the remake, and they just had that lying around in a trailer um, in, in a container somewhere and just said you know fill your boots. So we went in. And I had to rewrite a lot of my gore. I like because I had all the gore written, and then we just had oh, we've got like this half of a head that can pop off, like you know, <laughs> and, um, like cuts his cousin's chains get off the chainsaw. It's like that wasn't planned like that. It was because that's the gore we had. <laughs> um, and even that when um, when Medina like chops that uh, uh, the, the 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 demon in half. That's the same gore rig as uh, from the end of Evil Dead, um, where she's like chainsawing that thing in half, and no, yeah, um, which would yeah, which, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we just had no money, so we had to be um, inventive about how we were going to use it, and and they just they just we just had all these gore 
these bodies lying around and we're like shit we've got to use them all they've all got to go on the screen <laughs> that's fantastic going back to bad taste and talking about its effects too one of the most jaw-dropping moments to me is near the very end the uh i don't know how would you describe it the Derek birthing sequence kind of uh, I'm born again <laughs> um that's amazing there's so many so I just sort of forgot on this rewatch, but there's so many of these uh, quotes from this movie that me and my friends as teenagers would just like run around um, quoting and, and yeah, I'm born again uh, and suck my spinning steel shithead. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah, I, I just, I love that sort of cartoony with the chainsaw stuff. It's so like Warner brothers, like Derek, like needs to cut his way inside. So he, he walks past the front door and like cuts into the wall and it's this like almost like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where the, the wall comes out and it's the same <laughs> shape as him with the chainsaw um, but also in that scene like uh, where he's above the alien and he cuts like a perfectly round hole in, in, in the ceiling and then just uh, dives down and chainsaws right through from uh, from head to anus <laughs> oh incredible what a you know that reminded me too though that Derek scene like him being birthed you know like i it kind of reminded me of that moment from the climax of uh dead alive you know i i, I really want to know what jackson's deal is with showing men being uh sort of birthed from creatures <laughs> you know i i can only think of those two instances sure but i mean damn what a way to liven up those hobbit films you know if he'd chosen to go with that route you know hobbit hobbits are tiny they need to hide from things i have an idea you know do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to watch a fourth <laughs> film now if that is included. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I love those moments too. And again, going back to the comedy, I mean, there were moments I was absolutely gut laughing. At. I mean, it, Derek headbutting a bird after waking up and then finding that his brain is leaking out. Maybe uh, I I mean this one of the greatest moments in cinematic history. I was howling with laughter at that. I love how they set up he's a bird lover as well. Like, um, <laughs> after, you know, he's taken a tumble. He's popped his ribs and he's like, oh, he'll, he'll miss his Avery. Those birds were, you know, the only thing he had in his life. So they set up that he loves birds. And then suddenly he's like, <laughs> head butting them and, and laughing. He does that little laugh afterwards, which always gets to me. Oh. <laughs> uh, Love it so much, and yet you know there there is this weird thing where I you know I I think if I'd watched the movie again when I was a teenager you know back to back with you know his other early stuff I would be like oh okay of course but you know watching it now I'm just like this is the guy who is one day going to give us King Kong and the lovely bones you know <laughs> it's 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 hard to yeah. reconcile those two I mean, guys it was with like, one another. I mean it was almost like ten years later when he started making Lord of the Rings you know it's uh kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah, and to think that only a decade stood between those two films, that is astonishing to me. But, you know, I love it, too. I mean, if you look at his filmography, starting with Bad Taste and ending with, uh, oh, um, you know, They Shall Not Grow Old, you know, that is, that's something, you know? And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, if if you can chart his uh his growth as a filmmaker, you know, how, how he's evolved. I mean, where is he going to be in another 10 years if that continues, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's one of those things I'd hate to even try and hazard a guess. Did I, did I mention when I, cause, um, I've met Peter Jackson once. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And, um, it's when I was uh, I was uh, I was working at Park Road Post, which is like his post house, um, uh, doing VFX on, on on the Hobbit, and it was uh, so it was like crunch time on the Hobbit, and everyone was running around really fast, and um, so yeah, uh, this is kind of awful, but so I um I went to the 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 toilet right, and um the men's toilets didn't Park Park Road's really fancy, like it's uh it, it's like um got this it's, it's an amazing uh, post-production house really beautiful you go to the toilets they don't have urinals they've just got like um just the stalls right uh so i go on the stall and i think it's because everyone's like running around really fast trying to get this film finished but i looked down and someone had like pissed all over the floor near the toilet and i was like oh <laughs> disgusting right so i i went and did my thing and then i exited and just as i was walking out i i pushed the door and it was peter jackson right there Oh, God. And I, I was like, oh, my God. I was like taken aback. He's like my hero, right? 
And so then I'm trying to hold the door open for him, but then I'm also in his way, just like this this totally <laughs> awkward situation. So he manages to like push past me, and and then I remember someone someone had pissed all over the toilet floor, and and it's disgusting, and he's gonna think that it's me, oh, like because I'm the, I'm the guy that came out there. And I just wanted to say, no, it wasn't me. I and, and I I didn't do it. It was someone else before me. But then it would sound like I was like protesting too much, probably. But also he had bare feet because he just walks around Park Road with like bare feet. Oh my god! I mean, that's just got to be the worst, right? Like walking into a into a toilet stall and there's like just piss all over the floor. You've got bare feet. That's you're not having a good day, really. And and that, my face must be imprinted onto his brain as like that. <laughs> That motherfucker that just like pissed all over the floor. I mean, if he ever sees me again, he'll, he'll associate me with that. It's uh, yeah. So that, yeah, that was my brush with uh, with great Peter Jackson. <laughs> okay, so if you ever meet him again and you see that sort of glimmer of recognition in his eye, are you going to feel compelled to just say, "Look, it wasn't me. I swear to God." Yeah, it's that whole. It's it's the whole like um, you know. <laughs> the more I protest, the more it's going to seem because I'm just a bad liar. I can't lie properly, but I can't. When I, even when I'm telling the truth, I sound like I'm lying. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just, uh, just going to sound guilty as hell. Um, so yeah, uh, just I mean, wear shoes. You know, just wear shoes when you're going into a toilet. Why would you wear bare feet? It's it's your it's his fault as well. It? <laughs> so I should feel too bad. At least you had the opportunity to, uh, you know, or at least there is at least the, uh, the the possibility that he won't blame you. I mean, there I'm sure there were loads of people running in and out of the place. He's he couldn't blame you entirely. There's got to be the benefit of the doubt. Me, I I insulted one of my heroes to his face. So, uh, God, you know, who's that? Uh, Clive Barker when I was a teenager. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, I um, I was I was. I was a nervous, nerdy teenager, uh, and Clive Barker was my hero. Still is. But um, he was doing a signing for the book Galilee back in, uh, I want to say it was 98, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I uh, I drive to Cincinnati. I navigate its utterly insane streets. Uh, this is back in the days before GPS and, uh, you know, being able to Google map your way anywhere. And, uh, you know, I get there and he does this little introduction and he's the most charming guy on the planet. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's answering questions from fans. He's getting people, you know, laughing. They're in stitches. And then, uh, you know, he goes to go sign. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm standing in line. I'm not that far back. And I'm trying to think, okay, I'm not going to take up too much of his time. I'm not going to be the guy who just stands there and gushes and gushes and gushes, you know. So I'm just going to I'm gonna ask, like, you know, one question. I'm going to tell him what I think of his work, you know, that I love it so much. And I'm going to get my stuff signed and off I go, right? And, <laughs> and so I get up there, and the only thing that I can think to ask is, uh, you know, at that point, Rawhead Rex was one of my favorite uh, short stories. I adore that from the Books of Blood. And um, and I'd remembered reading, there's this great compilation of interviews uh, with him uh, from Shadows in Eden, uh, I think it's called. And uh, in it, he talks about not really caring for the film adaptation, you know. And uh, so I decided to ask him, you know, when I get up to him, I'm like, Mr. Barker, big fan of your work. Thank you so much for this and that and yada, yada. And I just wanted to ask, you know, do you think there is uh, the chance that we'll ever see another film adaptation of uh, Rawhead Rex? And he says, oh, my God, wouldn't that be amazing? You know, and I was like, yes, because, you know, I, I love your short story. Oh, thank you very much. You know, I was like, but the film version is just, eh, you know, I, I and he was like, yeah, yeah. You know, the monster looked OK at very first, you know, but when uh you know, when they clean him up a bit later on, he just looks terrible. And I was like, yeah, he didn't look anything like the character in the story. No, no. And I was like, then the actors, well, they tried to do their best. And the direction was kind of wooden, you know. And at this point, I'm like rapping with one of my heroes about this. You know, I, I was just giddy at the fact that we're going back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, and the script, oh, the script was terrible. Did they even read your short story? You know, I who who uh, who who wrote the script again? And he just stares at me blankly. And he's like, um, I, I, I did, actually. <laughs> I just stood oh there God. feeling like two inches tall and I was just the only thing I could think to mutter was uh oh so did they did they did they like water it down or rewrite it or anything like that? 
<laughs> he just he just looked at me and smiled and he was just like ah oh, well something like that uh but anyway he was still kind and gracious and he took a photo with me afterwards but i sort of walked out like uh if you've ever seen that gif of michael Sarah from arrested development walking with like his yes. head low and his arms not swinging just sort of hanging at his sides you know that was me walking out of that bookstore after i uh met my hero oh. so uh I don't know. Oh, my God, that was a long tangent to go, and I apologize. But at least in Peter Jackson's case, sir, you know, he, he has to give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I mean, it is an amazing short story. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I love the books of blood, and that was a standout. And it's amazing how far off course the uh, the movie went. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You, you read the short story, and it feels dangerous in a way. And then you watch the movie, and it's like yeah. they turned it into a B movie. How the hell did that even happen, you know? Yeah, it's I, just the characters are so God. <laughs> I give them props at least for keeping the pissing scene in. I I wonder what a mid '80s Peter Jackson adaptation of Rawhead Rex might have been like. Ah, uh, it's got to be brilliant, right? <laughs> Somewhere in that alternate universe I mentioned, I would like to think that movie exists. <laughs> yeah. All right, sir. Hey, I think somehow we have just about reached uh, the end of our time. Before we go, can I ask, do you have any final parting thoughts on Peter Jackson's bad taste? Um, yeah, like I said before, my, my favorite my favorite New Zealand movie for, and, and I'm not I'm not saying it's the best New Zealand movie, <laughs> not by a long shot, but it's 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 the movie that you know got me into filmmaking. It's the film. It's the movie that showed me that. A, a, a young guy from small town New Zealand can go out there and make something and, and that's you know before that I, I didn't even really consider it possible I'm like you know we're at the other end of the world Hollywood's like and you know it's um, you know 15 hours flight away like what you know what can you do down here you know you gotta um, um, be a sheep farmer or <laughs> whatever but um, no I mean I, I, I think um, it's it's I, I just never get sick of watching it. I mean, there's some, there's obviously a lot of clunky bits and a lot of like, uh, you know, structurally it's very loose, but it just, um, there's so much heart in it. Uh, yeah. And every time I watch it, I just, I just feel like it's a bunch of friends having a lot of fun and, um, and yeah. Um, and I had a lot of fun watching it. So yeah. Fantastic. All right. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show and for picking a movie that I really should have checked out by now. But uh, but thank you. I, I, I appreciate your pointing me to it. Now, uh, can I ask, where can folks find you at online and uh, what can we keep an eye out for from you in the future? Um, uh, I'm, I'm on uh, Twitter. Just uh, the handle is Jason Lee Heldon and Instagram. And um, yeah, like uh, in, in holy shit, like three weeks, Guns Akimbo premieres at Toronto. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, coming out very fast. So probably be a little bit of saturation from that. Um, yeah, be interesting to see what people make of it. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, it's in line with that, you know, that, 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 you know, I I think people that like Deathgasm or like Guns Akimbo, but, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the rest of the world makes of it. It's, um, it's. Uh, I think it's pretty crazy. I can't wait. Um, and just uh, just coming out with a movie uh, with with guns in the title right now just seems <laughs> quite incendiary. So yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> I I can't wait. And can I ask? I mean, is it still uh, possible that we're getting a Deathgasm two in the future? Yeah, I mean, I just just had some really um, exciting conversations uh, just last week about it, and you know, we're just we're just looking into it. I mean, um, there, there's a lot of like a lot of elements in play because because you know the first Deathgasm we made for like about 150 thousand American, um, which is just nothing when it comes to budget. So. Um, you know, we want to try and do the the next. We, we just called in so many favors for the first one. It was it was definitely done in a, a you know it was one of those movies you can only really do once because after you've called in all those favors, no one's going to do it for free again. <laughs> um, so we you know we want to do it. You know, we want it to be bigger. Like if, if we're going to make a sequel, it's got to be you know it's it's like um, in terms of, it's like Evil Dead versus Evil Dead Two like. Um, Evil Dead's fantastic, um, but Evil Dead Two, like on you know the 
the, the camera angles and the and the, the spectacle of it all are just so much so much bigger so i think if you've got to do a sequel you've got to do it for the right reasons and the reasons would be to to try and um explore you know where the characters are up to in their lives at this point and then and and you know try and try and up the first movie and and yeah try trying maybe i'll be able to like actually do a, a splatter movie that uh knocks dead alive um off off the off the leaderboard and then peter jackson will see that and be like right all right i'm gonna show them how it's done <laughs> <laughs> all right so hey thank you again so much for being on the show i really appreciate it no thanks so much for having me it's it's been been my pleasure and uh yeah uh, really fun <laughs> All right, and thanks to all you listeners out there. As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, and use the comment section below. Scream at us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Scream Addicts, and I'm at Jinx1981. Until next time, folks, thanks so much, and have a great weekend. Get on that bus, Derek! You can't do that! I'm a Derek! Derek, don't run.